the Fire Within Podcast. You need a sustainable plan, the right mindset, and the knowledge and inspiration to stoke the fire within. Just like the Phoenix, you can burn your old habits, never turn back, and emerge completely anew. There are no shortcuts. Welcome, Fire Within Nation. This is the Fire Within Podcast, where we talk about all things nutrition, fitness, and health related. I'm your host, Brandon Woolley, joined by my co-host, Joe. How's it going, Brandon? Lovely. Today, we're going to talk about sugar. I have so many questions Let's about please. sugar. There's good sugar. There's bad sugar. This sugar is good. This one's bad. Too much. Not enough. It's okay if you get it from a fruit. I feel like all I know is myths and I don't know anything. So I'm excited about this episode <laughs> to actually learn some science about about sugar. Yeah, we'll clear some of that up today. For a starting talking point here, we know, and we've said this in a previous episode, sugar is by far the most addictive substance on the planet, uh, even more so than crack cocaine. And they what? did that from, from testing mice, right? Rats. Right. So rats, given the choice between sugar and cocaine will always choose to go to the sugar and rats really like cocaine. (laughs) They've also done EKG studies that light up different parts of the brain and it does light up the same part of the brain as cocaine, but at a nine times more intense rate. So is this gonna be like one of those episodes where like everything about sugar is bad? Cause I feel like, are we gonna cover in this episode like what you should be eating? Cause I feel like a lot of times (laughs) we we get like, these are all the things that are bad. And then I'm left thinking like, well, I guess I just won't eat. <laughs> well, spoiler alert. Um, no, sugar's a good thing uh, coming from the right sources and the right amounts. Uh, I don't, you know, that could be in any form of carbohydrate. The body needs carbohydrates to run properly. The brain functions much better off of them. Now, granted, we can convert fats and proteins into glucose for the brain to use. And many people are familiar with ketosis and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but for the average person, that's not necessarily the meal plan that's right for them. We're going to take the angle of those that will be eating carbohydrates today. We'll start with what to look for on labels. There is a lot of different names for sugar. How much of this is marketing and how much of it is actually that it's a different kind of sugar? You know, I don't know the exact answer to that. Uh, I would... Some of it feels pretty made up, man. <laughs> yeah, we have a list in front of us of 57 of just the most common names for sugar. And I borrowed this from Jonathan Baylor. He's, he's got some fantastic resources on health and nutrition. Just to name a few, if you've ever seen turbinado sugar, refiner's syrup. That sounds made up. <laughs> it might be. This one I can't even pronounce. Demerara. What is invert sugar? I don't know. Maybe they do it upside down. They sound very made up. Like cane juice crystals. You know, I think some of it is marketing so that it doesn't outwardly appear on the label to say sugar. But I think also it's just there are so many different types like panoka. Date sugar. That's what you have when you're on a date. (laughs) Now, there's a couple shortcuts uh, to kind of figure out if you see anything ending in O-S-E, like galactose, glucose, glucose solids, fructose, all those things are going to be different types of sugar. Hmm. Uh, Also OL, like sorbitol, erythritol, things like that. Now, I once thought erythritol to be actually a pretty healthy sugar uh, because it doesn't really do anything to insulin and things like that. However, most erythritol is derived from corn. So we're, I'm sure we're going to get into it a little bit, but like the healthy kinds of sugar versus what's the most unhealthy kind of sugar? High fructose corn syrup, which is probably the most popular type of sugar. Correct. We were just uh, we were just doing some research before this and found out that it is seventy percent cheaper high fructose corn syrup to put that into food products than it is regular sugar. So exactly. of course, companies have this huge incentive 
to use that stuff because they're trying to make money. Yeah, and not only that, but it, it greatly increases the shelf life of the foods as well. So there's not as much um, product waste. So they save some money there too. The best types of sugar are going to be naturally found in fruits and vegetables. Uh, do, they, do they have their own names? Fructose is the type of sugar you'll get through most fruits. Now, with that being said, fructose is also a neurotoxin. So it's not something we want to over-inundate ourselves with. Fruits are something we used to only have seasonally. We'd forage for it, and then different seasons would bring about different fruits, and they'd be more plentiful in the summertime, which was great because we can gorge ourselves, put on some fat. That would help us get through famine in the winter. Now, the problem is now we have access all year long, every single day, and from every corner of the globe. All those different types of fruits uh, can be found in a single grocery store. I think we should be eating seasonally. Because typically, otherwise, if they're greenhouse produced, gassed early, they don't have the same nutrient content. There's fear of more lectin content, which is a protein we've railed about before that causes issues with the gut. So I think we should be eating seasonally, and I do think it should be limited. I want to hear a little bit about like the history. It seems like the big fear with sugar is the new big fear, like it used to be fat. Why now? Is it becoming such a big deal to be focused on refined sugars, the process that it goes through in order to turn it into sugar? I'm sure there's uh, some parts of the medical and health community that have always had an eye on it, you know, at least the last 50 years or so. But yeah. as rates of type 2 diabetes are skyrocketing and, and something else I've had my eye on is um, non-alcoholic fatty livers disease. That's 50%. And I'm even seeing 14-year-olds with it. It's insane. Wow. But that's primarily from that corn syrup, but, but any sugars can help accumulate with that. And fructose is another one. We used to be hunter-gatherer foragers and go all over the place. And then in order to make it so we didn't have to be nomads and move all over the place, we eventually became domesticated and we domesticated our crops, which meant we could just regrow the same things and stay put. Now, due to this, we lost about um, I don't know, 40,000 varieties of fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, and animals. And that's when we started getting nutrient deficiency diseases like scurvy and all these other things. And that had a huge impact on our microbiome health as well. So there used to be a lot more fruits and vegetables that we just don't have anymore? At least not readily available. Huh. Um, I'm sure there were thousands of varieties of mushrooms and just all kinds of stuff. And now we have button or portabella, and that's pretty much it. So with that happening, our gut health went down, our nutrient profile went way down. Now, something interesting about domestication was uh, this also changed our jobs and our roles. So it used to be one man would be a bricklayer, a sewer, he would do everything, um, and now we have individual jobs for different people. We have accountants, we have contract workers, we have construction workers. And through that process, it actually shrunk the human brain size down the size of, of a tennis ball is missing now. So it's kind of funny because you see on Facebook all the time, there's these people, well, your generation racked up the national debt and your generation caused global warming. Well, they shrunk uh, a good chunk of our brain. <laughs> Now, 60% of the world's consumption of food is now rice and grain products. And this That's is hard to believe, man. Isn't that insane? But so much of what we eat is bread, it's, it's cereal products. There's so many different products that are made with grain, and a lot of them are marketed as healthy. And then there's entire countries, especially third world countries, that might survive on rice and beans alone. And everybody that listens to Dave Ramsey. Rice and beans, beans and rice. <laughs> that's, that's how you get out of debt. That snowball. Hashtag 
Whatever you want to put there. <laughs> Global obesity. <laughs> <laughs> now, it is important to note that the green products we have today and in America are different than in other parts of the world as well as hundreds of years ago. So now they're all GMO and have all kinds of issues with them. And American grain products are not the same as what you find in Europe and other countries like that. Is that because we have a larger food science community? Like it's, we have more people working on developing the science of food? Yeah, particularly Monsanto. And then we have all these frankenfoods trying to make these crops resistant to insects and bad weather and things like that, along with their ability to stay stronger through those types of, you know, assaults through nature. It's, it's also having, wreaking havoc on our gut, even on our DNA. I remember like being a, a young teenager and the big thing then was no fat, don't eat fat. And so oatmeal, grains, oats were the healthiest thing in the world, right? They were the bottom, the bread, they're the bottom of the food pyramid. We should be consuming it until our, it comes out our ears. But you have a slide in your presentation here about what looks like a very healthy option. <laughs> yes, lots of people love those special K bars. They're only 90 calories and they're full of fiber and whole grains. Yeah, and um, you get a picture of the red berry variety. There's um, so many like 90 calorie snacks that exist in the snack aisle from whether it's Nabisco or one of the big companies that look exactly like this. Yeah, absolutely. And these types of things, especially if you see something that's as fortified with calcium, when they have to fortify a product because it is so devoid of nutrients that the FDA has to add stuff to it to put it on the shelf, that's the equivalent of putting lipstick on a pig. It's still a pig, so it's still a crap product. And these synthesized nutrients they're trying to add to cereals and crap like that doesn't make it any healthier. Uh, but this particular product, the Red Berries Special K Bar, if we take a look at the ingredient list, on the slide here, we've underlined everything that's a sugar in red. Let me just go through a few of these. We've got sugar, maltodextrin, fructose corn syrup, strawberry-flavored fruit pieces, and typically that's going to be a concentrated form of fructose. If you see natural flavor, that is actually a loophole in legislation where they don't have to disclose what that is. Typically, it's a sugar. We have elderberry juice concentrate, so basically more fructose. We got maltodextrin again, um, and it just goes on and on. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, we've highlighted everything in yellow that's a, a hydrogenated or harmful vegetable oil. So it's got sunflower oil, soybean oil, palm oil, partially hydrogenated palm kernel oil. And if you see the word hydrogenated, that is trans fat. That's atherosclerosis. That is what uh, can contribute to heart disease. And then it goes on and on. So we can put a link to this in the show notes on, on your website at firewithinnf.com. And you can just get a look at this. It's crazy. There's nothing left that's not underlined or yellow. Yeah, or wheat, grain, and corn. So I would argue that this is not food. So I don't care that it's 90 calories. I don't care that it's full of fiber. There are so many endocrine disruptors and things that mess with your hormones and can contribute to atherosclerosis. It's no wonder type 2 diabetes is going through the roof. Now, something else to consider, sugar has such a tie-in with Alzheimer's and dementia that, that those two conditions are now called type 3 diabetes. Now, the reason this happens is a process called glycation. What the heck is glycation? Do you know, Joe? No. No? All right. So what glycation is, is when sugar molecules stick to collagen or protein. Um, now, this could be red blood cells. This could be arterial walls. And when sugar sticks to that, it renders that useless. It causes damage to it. So in fact, if you go to the doctor to get an A1C done, 
what they're looking at is how much what's sugar it, what's is an A1C. An A1C, that's a hemoglobin A1C test. They're testing to see how much glycation or how much sugar is sticking to red blood cells. And that would be the test they would give somebody with, if they were concerned they had diabetes. Correct. Okay. That That's what they're looking at. Uh, but literally, the sugar sticks to it and, and renders that um, useless. It, it causes damage. Uh, something else with sugar and sleep that we've talked about in the past is the more sugar we eat, the more end products called amyloid plaque to build up in the brain. Yeah, we just talked about this in the sleep episode that was episode 13. Exactly. Uh, that amyloid beta plaque actually stops communication between neurons. That's memory, lo- memory loss. That's Alzheimer's. That's dementia. Now, if you haven't heard the last episode, we have a system in place called the glymphatic system. I'm not going to go into detail now, but basically when you're in deep sleep, uh, the brain cells shrink up to 60% of their size and a fluid is sent through your brain to clean up this amyloid beta plaque. So remember, if you're not sleeping or eating more sugar, you are accelerating your way to Alzheimer's. So now let's just take a minute and point out what are some sugar-rich foods and what are some sugar-poor foods. Now remember, it doesn't have to say sugar in the ingredient list or sugar added. But one of the things you can do is take a look at the carbohydrate count. And for every four grams of carbohydrate, uh, that's the equivalent of one teaspoon of sugar in terms of impact. So if something has 40 grams of carbohydrate, maybe there's no sugar added, but guess what? In terms of your body, it's the equivalent of 10 teaspoons of table sugar. So this is where like things that don't seem like traditionally sugar foods can in fact be sugary. Things like milk, for example. Right. Yeah. In fact, I worked with a 14-year-old that was so obese and he was drinking over a gallon of milk a day. Uh, He actually ended up with type 2 diabetes, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, and he went blind. Because sugar also contributes to cataracts and macular degeneration. That also is a glycation issue. Most people would assume that milk would be one of the more healthy things in somebody's diet. Calcium, vitamin D, but it has A1 casein, which causes all kinds of immune issues. And then it also has sugar. I wouldn't call it a health food. I don't think it's necessary in the diet and probably not something most people need. This kid I was working with, 14 years old, was having over a gallon of milk a day. Which is 160 or 159 grams of sugar. Yep. And then divide that by four, that's how many teaspoons of sugar. Hmm. So that's probably something like 30 to 40 teaspoons. That's just insane. And that's how you end up with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and going blind at the age of 14. You would think if you look at the label and it doesn't say sugar that you're okay. But... What are some of the sugar-rich foods that actually, are, in fact, wouldn't say sugar on the label, but are, in fact, rich in sugar? I would say uh, wheat, grain, and corn are going to be your top offenders, hands down. Now, fiber does somewhat negate the impact of sugar. Uh, so sometimes you'll see it has 14 grams of carbs, 14 grams of fiber, and then it'll say net carbs, zero. But I don't think that negates the hormonal impact. But wheat, grain, and corn are going to be the highest offenders. Of course, soda because of the high fructose corn syrup. Fruit juices are nothing but fructose. That's 100% sugar. Now, it's ridiculous when a thing of juice will say no sugar added. Well, it doesn't need any sugar. It's all sugar. Oats, cereal, rice, potatoes, those types of things. Now, when selecting potatoes, red potatoes and sweet potatoes are great choices. They have a better nutrient profile, a lot more vitamins, different type of fiber content. So those I eat pretty regular. Now, I find it surprising that oats are on there. Oats are, are always marketed as this really healthy snack. Right, because they have a butt ton of fiber. 
I think that's one of the things they're after. However, we've talked in the past on episodes about a protein called lectin, which is a mimicker of insulin and causes sugar to spill into the bloodstream and be stored as fat in the liver. Oats and corn are the two items that no matter how you prepare them, you cannot get rid of that lectin protein. Uh, So even if it's still cut gluten-free oats, it's still going to carry that protein. So it's not my favorite food to include in a diet. Yeah, and I know we talked about this earlier, but this is getting to like what the heck is left to eat, like yeah. <laughs> type of the stuff. So where's where's sugar poor food? So have you ever seen an Oreo tree in the wild? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I would I would stop and eat from. I think that's what was actually the the tree in the middle of the Garden of Eden that is Oreo the, tree. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. got told everybody not to eat from. <laughs> Basically, things you would find in nature: so grass fed beef, almonds, avocado, fatty fish, poultry, kale spinach, eggs, just things you would find naturally that haven't been processed, that haven't been GMO screwed with. You know, and I'm not saying never eat carbohydrates. That's silly. But I think there's better sources than wheat grain and corn. What are some good sources of of carbohydrates then? Vegetables are going to be your best. So celery, carrots, things like that. There's many types of greens. And I would work for diversity of vegetables, not just quantity. Because every different type and species of vegetable you put into your diet helps repopulate your microbiome and gut health. Mm. Remember, fiber does help a little bit to negate some of the impact of sugar. And vegetables have tons and tons of fiber. Kind of like that episode we did with Adam Lee, where he's just eating celery all day and he lost 128 pounds. (laughs) Um, There's so much fiber and that's going to attach itself to a lot of sugar. Uh, I'm not advocating a celery diet, but uh, you get the idea. Also, berries. Uh, If you're going to go with fruit, berries are fine. They're good all day long without going super crazy on them, but they're super low in sugar and fructose. They have a lot of fiber and a lot of antioxidants. Now, something else that comes with glycation is something called AGE, which is Advanced Aging End Products, which have toxins, cause inflammation, can create oxidative stress. If you've ever cut an apple open in half and left it out and it starts to turn brown, and that's the oxygen kind of destroying and deteriorating the fruit part. It's, it's similar to what happens to the body with oxidative stress. It does do damage to the tissues. But sugar contributes to that. We talked about just a second ago that Alzheimer's and dementia is related. And people with Alzheimer's and dementia have three times the amount of uh, calculatable AGEs as a healthy person. And they have a much higher risk of type 2 diabetes. Now, high blood sugar and insulin resistance is also a sign of premature aging and correlates with that amyloid plaque buildup in the brain we talked about leading to Alzheimer's and dementia. Next thing I want to talk about is hemoglobin A1C. And this is a very common test your doctor may run. Now, what they're measuring is how much sugar or how much glycation is there on your red blood cells. Now, just a word of warning, you don't want to live and die by the A1C because If you have really, really healthy red blood cells and a good diet and you don't have a lot of blood sugar issues, sometimes your red blood cells may stay in circulation longer than the average person. And this could lead to a false positive because you're going to have more exposure and more chance to accumulate more of this glycation. Now, in the same token, if you have really, really poor health in your red blood cells and they're not living very long, they're not in circulation as long and you can get a false negative. So I wouldn't go by an A1C alone to determine if you need metformin or something like that. And we always want to try lifestyle intervention first before we go to a prescription, unless it's life-threatening. 
Now, something interesting, if you're considering a vegan or vegetarian diet, just be careful because oftentimes you need a dramatic increase in carbohydrate intake in order to get the protein you need without meat. And vegetarians can be at a higher risk of AGE and type 2 diabetes because of your reliance on carbohydrate for protein intake. It can be done well, but just don't let it get out of hand. I want to talk more about high fructose corn syrup. I was recently watching a show on Netflix that I enjoy watching with Hassan Minaj. Basically, there was this chart that he showed that at the moment where food science basically figured out how to turn a lot of these food products into high fructose corn syrup, the the obesity line, like if you're looking at a bar chart, it was just kind of trugging along at a regular thing. Like we were going up a little bit and then it just started going way up in like 30 years. It doubled, tripled and it. A lot of it has to do with this high fructose corn syrup because it's such a government subsidized thing, as well as we just mentioned, that makes it 70% cheaper than traditional sugar. So they're just putting it in everything. Talk to us a little bit about why high fructose corn syrup is one of the most dangerous kinds of sugar. Well, unfortunately, it is the most efficient sugar at being converted to fat in the liver, uh, which is why now 50% or one in two Americans are diagnosed with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Uh, It really is a serious problem. Now, fructose, it impairs the ability of cells to to suck up glucose from the blood, uh, which starts leading to that insulin resistance. So Um, you said that it's the most efficient at creating fat in the liver. What's table sugar versus high fructose corn syrup in converting to fat? It's actually double the amount of fat in the liver as table sugar. So it's two times more efficient. So that's a big deal. And with so many companies switching exclusively to high fructose corn syrup and doing away with regular cane sugar, that's part of why we've seen such a rise in this obesity, type 2 diabetes, and non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Now, something else I wanted to mention, we'll probably do a whole podcast on this, but one of the primary contributors to high cholesterol, it's not fat, it's actually sugar. Sugar through glycation damages... Which is crazy because that's against everything that we've been taught growing up. And all the commercials had like dad and the kids were trying to help him eat healthy because they didn't want to see him die. And everything about it was fat, but it turns out that it's not fat? No, not even a little bit. Now, the wrong kinds of fat like hydrogenated oils can certainly contribute, but just as damaging, if not more damaging, is sugar. The reason they thought it was fat, because anytime they did an open heart surgery, you know, there's that fat buildup, arthrosclerotic buildup of cholesterol. Well, here's why. Cholesterol is sent into repair damage done by glycation. So with that being at the scene of every heart attack or every blockage, that would be like blaming firefighters for fires because they're at the scene of every fire. So if you truly want to get a handle on cholesterol and lower arthrosclerosis risk, you really want to take a a look at what's going on with your sugar. And since high fructose corn syrup can convert more efficiently, twice as fast as like table sugar, that would be the first thing I would try to cut out. Right, exactly. Um, That's one of the few ingredients that's a never for me. You know, I have kind of a red, yellow, green system. I have the foods I can eat all the time. I have the yellow foods, which I can eat some of the time. And then I have my putting my foot down. This is never going to happen except maybe twice a year. High fructose corn syrup is on that never list. And that is manufactured, right? That does not exist anywhere in nature. You can't find like a berry that has a little bit of high fructose corn syrup in it. No, it's <laughs> it's processed primarily from corn. Yeah, it's made in a lab. Like uh, that Oreo tree. Yeah, so, so something to be, be very mindful of. I think if you can eliminate that from your diet, you're doing, taking a giant leap in the right direction. 
Now, that doesn't mean go to diet sodas instead of regular sodas because diets have aspartame and all kinds of other chemicals and crap in them that aren't great for you either. If you need a soda alternative, I would look at Zevia. They use uh, Stevia to sweeten the sodas. The sodas, to me, taste great. As long as you don't perceive Stevia as bitter, you'll probably really enjoy those. That's one of those things some people perceive it as bitter. Right. Kind of like cilantro. Tastes yeah, like soap. Think, yeah. Yeah. Not for me. I love cilantro. It tastes like delicious salsa. Absolutely. <laughs> We've got half of the people in the country are are suffering from a fatty liver disease, which we're just consuming so much that our body can't get rid of it. So our, our livers are probably swelling up in size and causing all kinds of other health issues. Have you ever heard of foie gras? Foie gras. It's, foie a, gras. it's French, right? It's French. Yeah. <laughs> well, foie gras is fatty liver, fatty duck liver. It's prized in many restaurants. It's now banned in many countries. Literally to create this, they'll put birds in cages where they can't move for most of their lives, and they will stick a metal tube down their throat all the way to their stomachs, and they will force feed them wheat, grain, and corn, which is what 60% of the world's consumption of food is. And wheat, grain, and corn will rapidly convert to fat in their liver. And sometimes their livers become so full of fat other organs rupture. Sometimes the birds die from this. And the sad and unfortunate thing is, as cruel and inhumane as this is, we're doing it to ourselves. Only it's subsidized by the government. We have dietitians recommending wheat, grain, and corn. But this is part of the epidemic of one and two having non-alcoholic fatty livers disease. We're basically, you know, minus the force-fed tube, we're eating so much of this stuff. And, and this is a really important point to take home. Essentially, we're creating human foie gras. Exactly, which is, which is horrifying. Does this mean we could never have fruit and all these other things? Honestly, it depends on your health. And once you regain insulin sensitivity, it's fine to eat more of those things. But what I did want to do is go through the kind of anytime fruits that anybody can have regardless of their health, unless they have an allergy or something. Blueberries and other berries are going to be your top choice. Very low in sugar. They have tons of fiber and lots of antioxidants. Next is going to be coconuts and also avocados. Believe it or not, avocados are a fruit. I think they're fantastic. Dr. Gundry recommends eating one a day. He brings them, if he goes on a plane trip, he'll just eat a whole one. He'll bring it with him. Uh, fantastic high-energy snack. Uh, another one is going to be olives which is uh, technically also a fruit. Lots. Yeah, that, that surprises me. And technically, that's a fruit. If it's got a seed, it's a fruit. And then next is going to be dark chocolate and cocoa. Cacao. That is also a fruit. And I do recommend a high-quality dark chocolate, even daily, as long as it doesn't cause you to eat a whole bar and binge. But but I think a little bit of dark chocolate a day is great. It's got selenium, magnesium, and what kind of, tons uh, of healthy fat. Because you go to the health food aisle or wherever where the dark chocolate is, what kind of percentage are you looking for? The recommendation is 85% or darker. I cheat a little and typically do 70%. just tastes better. I like the super dark ones myself. But it gets to a point where they just taste like a chewy plastic. Oh, it I agree. It's a little bit too high up in the yeah, like the ninety five percent or something. Uh, some people are really into that. It's almost like chalky paste. And I didn't know that uh, coconut was considered that healthy. Oh yeah, it's just a pain in the butt to get coconut to a point where you can eat it. This is true. <laughs> uh, but there's coconut milk. I'll use coconut cream in my desserts and things like that. So, um, so coconut milk then is a healthy alternative when it doesn't have sugar added and stuff? Absolutely. 
I'm not recommending everybody shuck a coconut or whatever you call it. <laughs> I, <don't, laughs> I think it might, it might be shuck. I don't know. I have no idea how to prepare an actual coconut. I've only dealt with the end products, but I'm sure that's tasty too. What about almond milk? Yeah, I think almond milk's fantastic. I just hate it for whoever who has to milk all those almonds. I mean, that must take a long time. Um, it reminds me of that scene from, uh, do you remember that show, Meet the Parents? Yeah. With Ben Stiller. I got nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? <laughs> that's, that's the only thing I really remember from that movie. First thing that comes into my mind. So I don't know where the nipples live on an almond, but. <laughs> I don't want to know. But uh, macadamia nut milk is a thing, too. I mean, there's all kinds of alternatives out there. All these things that seemingly were good at one point, basically from marketing or from this people who could stand to benefit, food companies that could stand to benefit from us eating more of one product. Do you think there's anything right now that we are saying is healthy that at some point in the future when the science catches up, because uh, let's talk about cigarettes for a second. Cigarettes were at one point healthy. Or considered healthy. Right. From a doctor's standpoint, yeah. people were like, you should smoke these. I actually have a couple ads from ni- the 1960s of doctors and dentists recommending uh, cigarettes. One says, give your throat a break and things like that. I remember an ad from the Flintstones as well, where Barney's smoking and he's trying to tell Fred that I think Winston's are a good brand. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's your, this one's got a doctor. It says, more doctors smoke camels than any other cigarette. I feel like wheat grain and corn, or whole grains in general, I think that would kind of fit the bill for that. I wonder if high fructose corn syrup at one point will be like tobacco. Maybe. I Uh, guess it's not like tobacco, because a cigarette, what's it have, like a hundred and some chemicals in addition to? Like, it's a really bad concoction of stuff. Yeah. And it's kind of made in a lab, very similar. It's, It's hardly the same thing as, like, grabbing a leaf off of a tobacco plant, waiting for it to turn brown, and then lighting it on fire, you know? Right. Yeah, that's changed quite a bit. But no, I think I think that uh, whole grains could be uh, considered kind of in that same boat. And I'm not willing to wait for the science community to say, hey, everybody, maybe this was a bad idea. I'm going to start doing something about it now. Yeah. yeah. Again, just not knowing a lot. That's me. I haven't done a lot of the research in the study that you have. But I always thought that Nutella was a pretty alter- pretty healthy alternative to like your peanut butter. I heard in my mind it was made from hazelnuts. It was just like a smashed up nut and that was it. But you have this slide here where you're recreating um, what actually are the ingredients inside of Nutella. And it basically goes like this. Half of the jar is white sugar. Yep. Then you got like uh, maybe a fifth of the jar is hazelnuts. And then you got a little bit less than that is cocoa. And then you got skim milk powder. And then the rest of the jar, which is probably 25, 30% is palm oil. Exactly. So Dr. Yanni Friedhoff, he's hilarious. He actually has a YouTube video where he recreates Nutella in his own special way. And he does the calculations and every two tablespoons, which is a standard serving of Nutella, has five hazelnuts total. It has five teaspoons of sugar or five packets of sugar for two tablespoons, uh, which is the same as a tower of five Oreo cookies. A single serving in Nutella is this equivalent of a... Five Oreos. Five Oreos? Yeah. And we might as well just be eating Oreos. It's way better than Nutella. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this stuff, there's there's nothing healthy. It's not what breakfast loves. Uh, You might like it, but your body hates it. It's pretty interesting, and there's many of our products on the shelves today that that are similar, kind of like that special K-bar we looked at earlier. So with all the evils out there, just to recap, what we should be doing 
is eating a lot of fruits and vegetables, focusing on some of the healthy alternatives that you mentioned. I guess they're not healthy alternatives. They're just the way we should be eating, right? Right, exactly. So sticking to the outside of the aisles, the perimeter, you know, produce. You brought that up before. Meat, exactly. Shop the perimeter at the grocery store. Yeah, that should be the bulk of what you get. You shouldn't need a whole lot from those inner aisles. Now, when Um, you're walking and you're grocery shopping, you're looking for any added sugars or any of those sugar names, and those are the things you're, those are on your red list of things you're looking out for? Sometimes, typically the items I have, those never come up, unless I'm looking at like baked goods, which doesn't ever happen except for holidays. But I'm looking for vegetable oils primarily, and I'm looking for, for different types of sugars and preservatives. Now, let me ask you this, because I know that this happens in a, lot of, in a lot of different ways and practicalities. This principle fleshes itself out. You've been living this diet for a while now. Do you feel like you miss things like Nutella and things that are on your never list? Or do you feel like your body craves the, the healthier versions of food that you are regularly putting inside of it? Oh, my body definitely craves the healthier things. When I do go back to something like that, I usually end up cramping in the stomach, just feeling awful, energy plummets. I get really lethargic, Yeah. Uh, so I don't miss it in, in the slightest. I think that's hard for people to wrap their mind around that you can actually... By changing your eating habits over time, your palate actually changes and what you like actually changes. Yeah, supposedly your taste buds actually turn over every two weeks. Yeah. But as your microbiome health changes and you have different ratios and types of bacteria that start to repopulate and outgrow the sugar-loving ones, your tastes change big time. And I've seen it happen for things that are bad for us. I remember my grandparents, they were always drinking coffee all the time. And as a little kid, there's nothing grosser than coffee. Just the way it smells, everything about it is no good when you're a kid. And then I think it was around the time I turned 12, 13, Grandma showed me if you put like a bunch of milk and sugar in there, then, oh, look, it kind of covers up the coffee. And I remember her saying something to me (laughs) that coffee is one of those things that's an acquired taste. You just have to keep drinking it until you like it. And uh, so you can do that with negative things. So I assume you can do it with positive things. And it's tough with, with picky eaters, especially kids. Maybe we'll do a whole podcast on that. But Dr. Kelly Dorfman has a program called Eat EAT, where you eliminate the bad food, you add a nutrient that's missing, and then you try one bite of a new food for 14 days straight. They don't have to like it. They don't have to love it. But if they can get it down, it stays in the diet. And over after that two-week period, sometimes the kids actually enjoy the food and want more of it. My sister and her husband, Josh, my niece and nephew, they eat super healthy. And I swear those kids love health food. Like, I've never seen anybody get as excited about blueberries or avocados as my nephew, Henry. Like, it's just his favorite thing in the world. But it seems so weird. Like, that's not something you would normally think a kid would be that into. But because that's been the majority of his diet, he loves it. That's awesome. I wonder how much of that is is just a universal truth, or it's just my nephew just happens to like avocados. I think it has a lot to do with what that bacteria species in your gut is, and that's going to change your taste and your cravings. Absolutely. So, with all that being said, you know, I think some of the major takeaways here are we want to be very cognizant of high fructose corn syrup and some of those super red flag foods. And start introducing more and more of the better carbohydrates that come from nature that are surrounded with fiber and all these other good things. And it's definitely worth considering considerably reducing your wheat, grain, and corn consumption because that's a huge contributor to sugar. In fact, corn syrup comes from corn. Uh, so that's definitely one. Our bodies can't break it down properly and digest it. 
Now, with some of your grains, like rice and beans and things like that, you can actually pressure cook them in an instant pot and get rid of a lot of the issues. So pressure cooking your rice, if you want to keep rice in your diet, fine. Just consider pressure cooking it. If you can't eat healthy, just understand the impact sugar has with dementia and Alzheimer's and type 2 diabetes and non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So even if your A1C isn't all jacked up, consider those other components. It's going to get you one way or the other. And you can make sustainable small changes. I don't, I don't recommend anybody overhaul their entire diet. But if you wanted to do one singular thing to improve your health, I would get rid of high fructose corn syrup containing foods. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you got a lot of value out of today's episode. If you did, uh, go check us out at firewithinnf.com. You can subscribe to our newsletters and make sure you never miss an episode or any other content. Also, be sure to follow us on social media.